I, I think that, you know, we live up to the story we live under. Mm. So it's really, it's getting a good understanding of what the gospel is, is really the gospel of the kingdom is really important. Yes. But uh, one of my enduring questions uh, has been, are we experiencing that kind of newness of life and participation in some in in the kingdom of God that that, that is the expected results of the following the Jesus way? Yeah. And for much of my life, I'd have to say, no, I'm not. I haven't experienced it. And I look around and I see others not experiencing that. So that leads me to the question, are the methods we're using to be and make disciples the same as the methods Jesus used? Welcome to the Follow-Up Podcast. A place for conversations and ideas on how we follow Jesus to the depths of his heart and the ends of the earth. Follow is a community of learning and practice in the way of Jesus. And you can find out more about resources, events, and how to get involved by visiting www.wearefollower.com or finding us on your social media platform of choice. We hope you enjoyed this episode with your host, Matthew Lewis. Hello and welcome back to the Follower Podcast, everyone. Good to be in your ears as usual. Um, we're in this second episode in our new series, We Are Follower. Uh, in this series, we are unpacking the why, the what, and the who of the follower community, which is a small group of people from around the world who've been meeting regularly over the last while to um, learn and practice the way of Jesus together. My hope by the end of this series is that you, the broader follower family, people who have been listening to this podcast over the over the years and months, however long you've been with us, and if you're brand new, welcome. Really good to have you here. Uh, my hope is that you would not only have clarity about what this community of learning and practice in the way of Jesus is, but that you would also know that you are invited to join that community and if the Spirit of God stirred you in that way, uh, we'd love for you to, to reach out and get connected. Now, uh, last week, we spoke about the why of this follower community, the, the passion that's burning beneath the hood of this community, so to speak. Uh, so if you, if you didn't listen to that episode, you, you just want to pause this one then, go back and listen to that episode, and then come back and join us here, because... Each episode builds on the previous one. We're kind of developing a theme over the next couple of weeks. Uh, so for this episode, uh, we're starting to talk about the what of followers. So if last week we spoke about the why, uh, we're talking about the what now, and we'll be doing that for three weeks. And if you listen to last week's episode, I think you'll agree with me that it's it's quite a lofty idea we're going after here, right? Uh Fullness of life and transforming friendship with God is not the kind of thing we, we take uh, and tack onto the edges of our lives, hoping we can sort of fit it in when we get around to it. To quote Dallas Willard, as we often do here, the good news of Jesus is nothing short of a revolution. And it's supremely valuable, this good news, this friendship with God, just like that treasure that was hidden in the field, Right. Um, it's worth a whole lifetime of devotion and then some. So praise God we get eternity to walk this thing out. And it's not only supremely valuable, it's also significantly costly. So we use this language of 
This treasure is a, is a bit hidden, not so much because it's elusive, but because it's costly. So what do we mean by that? We mean that every person, without exception, who wants to live into the fullness of the life that Jesus offers them, uh, who wants to live in the kingdom of the heavens here and now, every person will have to change the way they live. <laughs> right? Now, this change will look different for different people, and we're fine with that. So we're not trying to uh, architect or engineer outcomes. That, that's actually up to God in your life, depending on your cultural context, your life stage, your personal orientation in terms of strengths and weaknesses or vices and virtues. Your change is going to look different. It looks different for me as a single man uh, following Jesus to the way it looks for some of my friends who are married with young children. And that will look different to the way it would look if you were married with your children leaving home. It would look different if you were a teenager or a university student. So there's a lot of factors that means that change looks different. But what we must be clear about is that the change itself is non-negotiable. So there is no road to the truly good life that God has for us in Christ that uh, is not paved with the uncomfortable inconvenient, but ultimately eternally redemptive change that God calls us into, right? Uh, to quote Jesus here, if you want to find your life, you are in fact going to have to lose it. And this is precisely why we can't stop at the why of follower, because as inspiring as that why is, as that vision of the good life is, right? And it is inspiring, and so it should be. Um, as inspiring as it is, inspiration of a beautiful vision and the excitement and willpower that it initially produces is actually not enough to sustain us for any meaningful length of time through this uncomfortable, inconvenient change that living into that vision will require. It's as John Marcoma reminds us, uh, our working theory of change has to be better than information, inspiration, and willpower. And unfortunately, that's where a lot of us camp out in the Christian world. We major on information, inspiration, and willpower. So come hear a sermon, which is theologically sound, delivered in a compelling, inspirational way, and then go back out into your world and just decide to do it. <laughs> okay, that's how most of us think that we change. But, but we don't change that way, do we, right? Uh, we know this. For example, I could tell you uh, McDonald's is bad for you. So you have the information. I could tell you that McDonald's is bad for you in a very compelling way. So you have some inspiration. But if you go out and you know those things, but you as a person haven't been formed, your willpower alone is probably not enough to stop you from getting a Big Mac. Yeah, that, that's the analogy there. So, so then how, in fact, do we move just from inspiration to something that actually helps us change? This is where the what of follower comes in. Because uh, once we get a hold of the why, this vision of the fullness of life and transforming friendship with God that Jesus calls the kingdom of the heavens, this hope, right? What, what we're wanting is, is for it to light a fire inside of us. We want it to blow up in us in such a way that it actually moves us to a full intention of living into it, right? Th this is important. This is where in the scriptures we hear repent and believe the gospel. This idea of uh, come and follow me. We, 
There's, no, there's not a half-hearted measure in us that's going to allow us to walk this out. Something's got to move in us. Something's got to shift in us where we now have an intention to say, man, this vision of life in Christ is beautiful and I desire it, right? We have to have a full intention to follow Jesus into this reality. But even that intention is only a seed. It's, you know, it's the seed of a possible life. And just like a seed, everything, like for example, a, a tree, right? Let's look at a big oak tree. Everything that the oak tree will eventually become is pre-packed into the smallness of the seed, right? And similarly, that, that persuasive vision, the intention then that is inspired by the Holy Spirit is the seed of a reality that will grow in your life. And everything that you could eventually become and walk into in Christ is pre-packed into that, in des- that desire and that intention. But if we want that intention to grow into its full maturity, day after day, month after month, year after year, until the Christ in us is visible through us, what needs to happen is that that seed needs to find a greenhouse or a complementary environment that will support, support and sustain its growth over the long term. Yeah? And this is what, what the community of learning and practice in the way of Jesus is. It is the greenhouse into which we put that vision, that hope, so that over the long term we can live into its fullness. That's the what of follower. So if somebody said, why follower? We would say, man, we want to live into the fullness of life that is transforming friendship with God in the kingdom of the heavens, right? What a beautiful, lofty idea. And if somebody said, well, what is follower then? We would say follower is a community of learning and practice in the way of Jesus. It's the greenhouse that creates an environment in order for that seed of an idea to grow. Um, now, what I'm going to do to help us all understand exactly what we mean by a community of learning and practice in the way of Jesus is we're going to look at three key elements of this, this greenhouse, and then we're going to discuss how they help us move from being either inspired but short-lived in our commitment uh, for some people or hopeful but daunted for other people. Uh, so we want to move from those ways which are kind of static and a bit paralyzed into a way of being in the world that helps us walk into the reality of Jesus. So those three ideas, and we're going to look at one today and then two and three in the coming weeks, is the way of Jesus, this idea of learning and practice, and then this idea of community. And in this session, we're going to be looking at the way of Jesus. What do we mean by the way of Jesus? And how, unfortunately, does this way of Jesus differ from what many people would understand when they think about the Christian faith in particularly the Western world and contemporary culture today. Uh, And for the rest of this podcast, uh, you're not just going to be listening to my voice. I'm actually going to be entering into a conversation with with Mark Scandrett. So here's your introduction. Uh, Mark Scandrett is an internationally recognized expert in practical Christian spirituality. He's the founding director of Reimagine, which is a center for integral Christian practice where he leads an annual series of retreats, workshops, and projects designed to help people like you and I apply spiritual wisdom to everyday life. Uh, Mark is also on the creative team of Nine Beats Collective, which is a fascinating uh, project exploring the Beatitudes as a kind of 21st century vocabulary for living this way of Jesus. 
uh, Mark speaks all over the place, both nationally in the USA and internationally in countries around the world. And he's also an adjunct faculty in the doctoral program at Fuller Theological Seminary. Uh, Mark's written a whole bunch of books. His most recent books include The Ninefold Path of Jesus, Free, and Practicing the Way of Jesus, which makes him a perfect person for our topic today, as well as a book called Belonging and Becoming, which he wrote with his wife, Lisa Scandrett. Mark and Lisa live in San Francisco's Mission District, where they've raised their three now young adult children. Um, And I was introduced to Mark through a friend, Jill Weber, who's also been on this podcast. If you haven't listened to that episode, go do that when you're done with this one. Highly recommended. And uh, I asked Mark to be on the podcast because I'm currently actually doing uh, a kind of intensive with him through Reimagine called Enough. And we're meeting online with a few people from around the world and we're learning what it means to grow in the practice of simplicity. And so just really inspired by a lot of what I'm reading and learning uh, through Mark and his ministry. So all that to say, I hope that this conversation with Mark really helps you not only understand what we mean when we talk about this way of Jesus, but it stirs you to consider your own friendship with God and what God might be inviting you to through this conversation. And just before we jump into our conversation, I want to leave us with a prayer. Jesus, when we strain for sight through the heavy shadows of our own wandering, remind us that you are the way. When our minds grow dim in the gathering clouds of deceptive confusion, remind us that you are the truth. When our pulse beats thin and zeal ebbs low to the trickle of mere existence, remind us that you are the life. Not to be studied from the sterile spaces of academic halls alone, but to be known in the dust and dirt, in the sweat and tears, in the aching feet that tread a path in your shadow, in your way. Help us, Jesus to walk it. Amen. Cool. Welcome, Mark Scandret, to the Follower Podcast. Have I said that that right, Scandret? Scandret, you got it. There it is. There it is. Hey, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Really grateful for your time. Yeah, great to be with you, Matthew. Awesome, man. Uh, so I, we've chatted a little bit. Uh, you are jumping in with us to help us uh, in this part where we're, we're talking about what is a community of learning and practice in the way of Jesus, and specifically mm-hmm. focusing today in our conversation on the way of Jesus. But just before we get mm-hmm. into that, uh, I've given people a little bit of your bio, but give us a little bit of insight. Who's who's Mark? Give us a bit of your story just so we can. Yeah. Um, uh, my family and I live in San Francisco, California. Um, we've lived here for 25 years now. I uh, was raised in the in a military family, so I was born in Germany and lived in various parts of the United States. And um, when I was about 12 or 13, my my parents were very devout Christians, and I I really felt like they walked walked it out in everyday life. And when I was 12 or 13, I picked up the New Testament. Uh, it was an illustrated one with little little ink drawings in it. Read 
uh, read the Gospels and fell in love with this wise figure, Jesus, and thought, I want, I want to follow his way. And um, so that was the, kind of the beginning of my conscious journey of, of trying to be a follower of Jesus. And, um, uh, but I struggled with, um, I struggled with church and I, and the difference between what I read about in the gospels and what Christianity had become. And, you know, over time I realized, well, there was the Roman empire and Constantine and the, uh, you know, the, the, the Jesus way married with power and uh, wealth and institutions. And so I've always, there's always been something churning inside of me that there's, there's gotta be a way to get back to that primal uh, path in the way of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's, that's been something that, that longing has characterized my life for a long time. Um, and like most people, you start with a certain idea or lens for what on scripture, on the, your understanding of the Christian story, and then it grows and evolves over time. So uh, a few years later, it became clear to me that like this whole thing's about an intimate relationship with the creator of the universe. There's something about this um, spiritual power and awareness of an unseen world and um, uh, that, that I'm not doing this alone, that I'm called into being a part of a community. And so I just tried to go with some of those impulses starting when I was a teenager, you know, reading the words of Jesus and wondering how would I live that out mm. uh, in my life and in my relationships and um, started kind of doing little experiments on my own. Yeah, I'd read, read a story and then try something out. Hey, you know, uh, Jesus would probably stop to help somebody with a broken down car along the side of the road. What if I do that? see what you know see where that takes me um and uh eventually in my 20s i became a pastor and um and again i uh i started to realize more i really think christianity becomes something very different than than what jesus intended uh and i wouldn't be the first to say this but in some ways it's easy it's uh it's convenient to worship Jesus so you don't have to pay attention to what he said about life. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and um and that I wasn't content with that. I I would see how what he taught about life in the kingdom of God and um longed to experience those things. Wow. And um one of my big aches uh, uh, in my mid 20s was you know, most of my friends would never be a part of the church that I was the pastor of. And uh, my whole generation, very few people were interested in church or faith. And yet Jesus is so compelling in his his message and his life. And um, so as part of that, we moved to San Francisco um, to try and start a new kind of community. And when I would meet people, I'd let them know I was a pastor or I was a Christian and most of the time, I would get a very negative response. Yeah. And people would essentially say to me something similar to what, what Gandhi said. Jesus is, you know, I like your Jesus. I like your Christ, but I don't like your Christians because your yeah. Christians are so unlike your Christ. Um, you know, one person put it to me like this and said, Jesus is cool, but you Christians have effed with Jesus. Yeah. You know, I know in the beginning, you like... There was this revolution of love where 
where where in Roman society, the early followers of the way were um, taking orphans and widows into their homes and um, like really living in a, dis- a new and distinctive and vibrant and shalom shalom seeking way. Mm. And um, so I that I guess I went through a period of deconstruction or really wrestling and saying, did you know, um, what's what's my lens been for what I think faith is? And if it doesn't, if my understanding of the Jesus way doesn't lead me to become a more peaceful, loving, whole, forgiving, generous, trusting, non-anxious person, then um, I'm probably not on the Jesus way. I'm probably on some <laughs> other trip, you know? <laughs> right, right, yes. Uh, so I'm very curious about how we, how do we create community that helps one another actually inhabit the dynamics of the kingdom of God. Right. right. Um, and uh, so that's what we, we've been about for about the last uh, 22, 23 years of, of um, trying to create those kind of communities. Yeah. And I think uh, this is what I appreciate about you, Mark. I mean, we've only been in touch now a couple of weeks. I've been doing mm-hmm. some of your, um, your learning labs and, busy now with we're mm-hmm. learning about simplicity together and man it's just been wonderful so thank you for that space it's been very beneficial mm. but i think what i'm appreciating and, and really why i asked you to come have this conversation is because i think we live in an age where there are uh, there is so much information there's a yeah. there's a lot of people who have a lot of really good ideas and well read and and it's not that information doesn't matter you know i like this idea of like theology as a map of god in the mm-hmm. mind that's great mm-hmm. And, and there's a lot of people talking about formation and the way of Jesus and these kinds of things. But you are not only, um, you don't, it's not only that you have great thoughts about things, like I find your theology robust, but you're quite an intense practitioner. Um, yeah. And, and that dis- it makes you quite distinct, at least in my experience. You are walking this out in so many uh, pretty radical, and I, I say the word radical in terms of like getting back to the root ways. Um, and so maybe just comment on that, this idea of like how and how that relates to this idea of the way of Jesus. Yeah, well, um, uh, so I think it, go, it goes back to the message of Jesus, right? What was this message? Mark 1 15, he says, the time has come. God's kingdom is here. Rethink everything. Dream up your whole life again and inhabit this message. Live in this reality. Mm-hmm. And so um so jesus is you know really proclaiming the reality god is here god is caring god is making all things new and you get to be part of that bring your whole self into that uh story and um i i think that you know we live up to the story we live under mm-hmm. so it's really it's getting a good understanding of what the gospel is, is really the gospel of the kingdom is really important. But uh, one of my enduring questions uh, has been, are we experiencing that kind of newness of life and participation in some, in, in the kingdom of God that, that that is the expected results of the following the Jesus way. And for much of my life, I'd have to say, no, I'm not, I haven't experienced it. And I look around and I see others not experiencing that. So that leads me to the question, are the methods we're using to be and make disciples the same as the methods Jesus used?
and um and you know we have to understand the the christianity that we have like what you know went through the uh you know greek and hellenistic um you know filters got married with the roman empire went through the enlightenment like it's a very it's a western um mind-based form where if we 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 tend to think if i just get the right idea in my head uh or ascribe to, to the correct propositions i will magically be transformed yeah, yeah and um and i think there's three things that have characterized the discipleship over the last 100 years for most for most people who have been involved uh is um our methods have tended to be individualistic so you go and you you hear a message or you read a book and you think it's it's your job to work it out on your own it's me and jesus mm -hmm. and um it's tended to be information driven and like you've alluded to we know information doesn't by itself doesn't bring about transformation yeah yeah and um and i'd have to acknowledge my own addiction to information I, you know like a few years ago i got into personal productivity and so i read eight or 10 books on the topic. Yeah. And, it, and while I'm reading them, I feel productive, but nothing has changed in my life. <laughs> right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I could have gotten a chapter in and gone, Hmm, you know, only check your email twice a day or, yes. <laughs> you know, make a list and prioritize. Um, but it's just much more fun to, to get the information than to actually apply it. Yeah. Um, and then, and then I think Jesus, uh, well, I think that we're, we haven't always been honest about the real stuff of our lives. There's something, there, there's a, a sociological factor that when we gather, we tend to want to put on our best face, mm. but we, I think honesty is important to an authentic spiritual journey. Cause if we can't be honest with where we're at, then we can't move forward into more healing and life-giving ways. Yeah. So if if discipleship has been individualistic, information-driven, and dishonest about life, well, in contrast to that, how did Jesus make disciples? How, how did yeah. he help people live his way? He did it in community. It wasn't just one person. It was a group working it out together. Um, he didn't just give wise information, although he was a great teacher, um, it, this this was a Eastern Hebraic model of of, of a rabbi apprentice relationship. Mm -hmm. So who the rabbi was, life on life relationship, and then he gave he he gave an instructions that he expected his disciples to follow. Because yeah. why would you want to why would you want why would you want to be a student of the rabbi if you weren't ready to act on their wisdom? Yeah. And so he would Jesus would throw people, his disciples into situations where they could know from experience the reality of the kingdom of God. Yeah. And then, of course, I think Jesus spoke with an honesty about real life. And so just look at the Sermon on the Mount and, you know, a few verses in, he says, if your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift. Well, who hasn't struggled in their extended family relationships? Everybody has that brother or sister or brother-in-law or difficulty with a parent where, you know, so Jesus is talking about the real stuff that, you know, go a few more verses. And he says, don't, don't worry about your life. Who of us hasn't struggled with worry or anxiety? So he's getting at that real, the real stuff. Yeah. 
So I think if we're going to make disciples like Jesus did, then it it does it needs to be there needs to be a life on life dynamic. Um, we need to be committed to action and not just thinking or talking. Yeah. Uh, especially those adult learners, we only learn when we see that we have a need in our lives and we try something out and test it out in real life to see if it helps us. Yeah. Um, yeah. And of course we need to be honest, yeah. you know, about where we're really at. Yeah. So. so I think that some of the language I'm finding for what you're describing, and I'm, I'm, I'm testing this as a thought mm-hmm. and I'd love some feedback mm-hmm. on this idea particularly as it pertains to this follower community is um, like when, when we're talking about what the way of Jesus is and specifically how that's distinct from so much of what we call Christianity today, I think uh, we've created a false category where you can believe and not be a disciple. Yeah. And I don't, when I read the scriptures, I don't see that. I see Jesus saying, I'm invite. I myself am a way. <laughs> you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And you and you mm-hmm. can't just like accept my ideas in isolation. Like you can't just have them clinically at a distance and assent to them. Say mm-hmm. these things are good, but then hold on to another way. It's like my way. Yeah. It replaces. And I think what's necessary for us to enter into that is to have number one an awareness of that the fact that that's the case. Like what mm-hmm. is Jesus actually asking of us, and yeah. then a willingness to trade one for the other, to set aside a competing way and enter into mm-hmm. Jesus' way. Uh, some thoughts on that, some feedback on this idea. Well, I think there's some historical turns that have shaped our understanding of of Christian faith that we might have to revisit and go, is that the best starting point? So one of them, at some point, I, I would some would suggest this is during the well, let's go back to Constantine. Um, you know, uh, he used uh, he used the Christian message as a tool for colonizing or keeping the um, keep, keeping you know the empire together, and so it became a question of do you agree with this creed or not? And sometimes there was a sword held at your neck while you're being right. asked that question. Right. Of course, I believe the Nicene Creed. <laughs> Yeah. So now it's not, it's what I say I believe, not what I actually believe. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and so th- this thing out there that's words, not, not, pr- not, not primal and, you know, from, the, from the very center of your being. Um, and then I'd say during the crusades, when so many young men were giving their lives, you know, up until that time, most of the images of, of paradise uh, or eternity was a garden with animals, lions and lambs laying next to each other and yeah. people like a flourishing on planet earth. And with the crusades and all the young men dying, they're like, no, the, life here is bad. The good news, the hope of salvation is for out of here, not on yeah. earth, up yes. in heaven. Yes. Yeah. Right. And so that, sh- so that's, that was a big shift. And then a third uh, one for those of us who are Protestant was the, uh, the dichotomy that developed around the Protestant Reformation uh, between um, action or deeds and faith. Yeah. 
like um, because because there were some abuses of indulgences in the Catholic Church, Martin Luther, among others, was like, it's not what you do. It is what you believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and and many people got the impression that to act in any way to live in the ethics of Jesus was somehow undermining true faith that is all that's by grace. Right. right. Um, but yeah. it's sort of like grace. Uh, got confounded with a with a lack of effort or a lack of action or discipleship. Right. You know, we're just yes. supposed to sit back and go, "You did it, right? <laughs> Thank right. you." And now I'm gonna, I'm gonna now I'm gonna hang on here until until you come back again or I die. Yeah. Uh, yeah because absolutely. life life here is bad. Yes. You know. Yeah. 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 And uh, that's so it. Put it sort of put the kingdom. It put us sort of put the kingdom of God in the future. Right. Instead of recognizing that. That Jesus thought it was here now. Correct, correct. And and some of the tension of that is like the now and not yet kingdom, which is mm-hmm. fair enough. But it's just mm-hmm. like when you look at the balancing of the scales for the average person, the scale is way overbalanced in the yeah. direction of the not yet and not nearly enough balanced in the direction of the now, you know? Yeah. yeah. So I see it as like Jesus um, was uh, in his teaching was explaining how life works. Yes. It wasn't an esoteric message about the afterlife. He's like, let me just explain the 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 universe you live in, and the and how it how it operates. Absolutely. And and so one of my takes on what discipleship is 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 that uh, it's learning to see God, myself, and others, and how life works the same way that Jesus did, because right. he had an accurate understanding of where we're at. And if we saw God ourselves and how life works the way Jesus does, mm-hmm. we would easily be able to obey his instructions. Yeah. Even the most radical ones. And, that, and this is where, you know, when Jesus says, uh, unless you're willing to lose your life, you won't find it. And people think mm-hmm. that Jesus is being like unnecessarily prohibitive or exclusive, mm-hmm. but he's not, he's just making a statement of fact. He's just making an observation of reality. You know, this is yeah. how gravity works. If you jump off the building, you're going to hit the ground. And this is how disciples yeah. works. Unless you can lose your life, you won't be. I, is that what you're saying? That's how I understand it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a different, it's a different um value system and i think probably one of my cognitive dissonances was you know i grew up um conservative evangelical tradition and at my in the groups i was in we would say the most important thing is to believe the right things so that you can be prepared to die yeah and the most important thing we could do after we've made that decision to believe it's to get other people to believe because they're going to they're going to hell. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so the irony was we felt like that was the message. Almost nobody went out and shared with their friends or neighbors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. And and we would say this is the most important thing. But by observation, it looked like the most important thing is personal affluence. Wow. Wow. And wow. capitalism. Mm. Yeah. And and protection yeah. of me and mine. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. 
And, and I got to a point really honestly for myself where believing correct things. And I was a real Bible nerd. You know, I memorized whole ch chapters and books, uh, uh, Paul's letters and major portions of the gospels and studied a lot of theology. Um, and I, I was an ardent worshiper and I led others in, you know, two, three hour, uh, worship orgy sessions, you know, yeah, yeah. um, it was like, it was like, we had these longings for this message to get into all of life, but we'd stuck it into, well, it's, it's when we're gathered that this is, that the, the, that the magic's going to happen mm -hmm. that will make this meaningful. Yeah. And at some point I was like, no, it's in the everyday life and seeing all the details, seeing how, what is Jesus inviting us into in the everyday stuff of our lives? Yeah, this is a, this is a great way to enter into some of what I was thinking now is, so this is rich and robust and, and really helpful. Um, what I'm thinking about is the person who's listening to this, who is, um, a mom or a dad with two kids, just trying to wake up in the morning and like have some semblance of peace and get through traffic and get their children to school or the university student who's trying to follow Jesus, but also get their studies done. I'm thinking about like the, what you're saying, the normal everyday individual, how do we, what's your advice to that person who's trying to live life? How do we ground these big ideas in the very normalness mm -hmm. of our lives? Well, first I'm not sure that, um, I'm not sure that Jesus wanted to make our the lives we've arranged for ourselves a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. I th I think he was saying your way of life just doesn't work. Wow. Right. <laughs> um and I can you you're it's wearing you out and I I really think that's the situation that we're in. Our um the the societies we're a part of are on a uh a march towards destruction. Yeah. Um you know, we're, we're, um, many of, many of the places we live are econ more economically affluent than other places. Um, we have more external stability, but we're struggling with anxiety and questions of meaning and broken relationships. Mm -hmm. And, um, I really think that, that it's because we we're, we're chasing after things that aren't real wow. and that Jesus is inviting us into a different set of values and a different perspective on our lives. Mm. Um, but, but with that said, um, I, I'm drawn to images that help us see, you know, what, what is the promise of the gospel in everyday life? And so one of my, um, I'm always looking for like quick ways of explaining this or frames for it, but, um, I've, and I've worked with a couple. One is the Lord's Prayer, because I think that gives some gives a could give us a vision, uh, and maybe I'll just share that with you. So, yeah. um, so you know, uh, all of us wonder have questions like, "Who am I? What's my identity?" And the the answer in the Lord's Prayer is that Jesus invites us into a life where we learn to be conscious of God's care and presence and discover our truest identity as God's beloved children. And this is why we're invited to pray, our Father in heaven, holy is your name. So today, I have a chance to live 
in an interactive way with the creator of the universe and try to live in the reality that I'm I'm not alone. This is a safe universe to live in. I'm accepted. I'm I'm cared for and held. And hopefully that can give me a great sense of resiliency and peace, mm. you know, to live in to live in that. Um I, I think it also addresses like, you know, most of us struggle with in some way with a sense of our worth or identity. And so we're being invited to root that identity in being the beloved children of God, not in what we look like or what we can earn or achieve, but in who we already are yeah. as beloved. Um, we also wonder why we're here. And Jesus invites us, and you know, what's our purpose? Jesus invites us into a life where we learn to see ourselves as agents of God's healing work in the world. So this is why we're invited to pray, your kingdom come, your will yes. be done on earth as it is in heaven. So today there are, I have the opportunity to use my aliveness, my strength, my, my power, my will to vote for contribute to the healing and um, Genesis vision that God has for, for, for all of creation. And, you know, how, do, what does that mean in terms of how I, how I speak to my spouse, um, how I relate to my children, um, how I interact with my neighbors, the quality of the work that I do, um, you know, in every moment we have this opportunity to say yes to the good, say yes to love, um, to, to take a little step towards the healing of the world, um, uh, a third third thing in the Lord's Prayer, you know, where I think a lot of us have questions about security and survival. How how am I going to survive and thrive? Um, sometimes it's like economically. Sometimes it's like emotionally. Um, sometimes physically we wonder that. And Jesus invites us into a life where we don't worry or strive or act out of a sense of greed. We learn to be grateful, trusting, content, and generous. And this is why we're invited to live and pray. Give us this day, our daily bread. Um, so like learning to live in that, with that sense of contentment and satisfaction, that this is an abundant world where our creator cares for us and provides what we need. Um, and then, you know, I think we're all wondering, how can I belong? And um, Jesus invites us into a life where we don't act out of anger, jealousy, bitterness, or lust. And we learn to live in reconciled relationships with each other through, through that source of love that's greater than our own. And that's why he, in the prayer, he invites us to pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Like there's some healing and reconciling that can happen between us. Okay. So am I carrying any resentments today? Mm -hmm. Am I, am I? Am I judging others or comparing, you know, like um, we're invited to make some shifts or from, uh, you know, from from one way of seeing and being to another. And then finally, um, the final phrase there, I think we all wonder, how can we find freedom from the habits that aren't working for us, that are pulling us away from life? And what do we do in the unjust suffering and struggle that we experience, you know? 
and the pain that we have in our lives. And so Jesus invites us into a life where we experience freedom from destructive habits and peace in the midst of pain and suffering that come from living in a divided world. Mm. And this is why he invites us to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Right. So, um, yeah, I, you know, it's a little more com like, uh, I'm, I think the Sermon on the Mount is, gives a good picture of the new quality of life. Yeah. There's bits throughout the gospels right. that we can kind of, uh, hang our hat on and go, this is, this is what I'm being pulled towards. This is what I'm being invited towards. Yes. And it's good. It's better than the life I've created for myself. What, what I love about what you're describing is that it speaks to journey and relationship, which is the way. So, so, yeah. so what I, what I was interested in myself, as you were talking, I was observing in myself, it's like, okay, sometimes when we go, how do we apply this in our lives? Sometimes what I want is five steps, <laughs> mm -hmm. give me these things. But again, even that desire or that, that expectation is a product of a certain kind of way of understanding friendship with God, you know, or yeah. understanding faith. It's like, it's very intellectual, very conceptual, very transactional. If I do these three mm -hmm. things, then I'll be living in the way. But what mm -hmm. you're describing is it's like, we, we don't know what the outcome will look like for you necessarily. As you listen to this, mm -hmm. it's going to look different for Mark than it does for Matthew than it does for anybody else listening. But the invitation yeah. is to, a, a kind of much more fluid, dynamic, integrated way of being in friendship with Jesus. And so what you've given us is signposts and markers toward that friendship, but it's not necessarily something you can systematize or put on an Excel spreadsheet. You know what I mean? Like right. it's, it's way more dynamic and alive than that. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's a lifelong journey, right? Yeah. So, um, it's taking me a long time to move from bitterness and resentment to letting go of those things and um, really trusting in God's justice, yeah. you know, at those places where I've been wounded. Uh, it's taking me a long time to move from a mentality of scarcity and greediness and desperation to one of contentment and a sense of abundance, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, it's taking me a long time to go from trying to earn my identity by what I can achieve to sitting in belovedness yes. and not, not acting out of ego. And yeah, so one, good. one, one place I started with this is, um, you know, that might be, you might find interesting is uh, I, I was really interested in the, the specific instructions Jesus gave his disciples, sell your possessions and give to the poor, love your enemies don't worry uh, about your life, right? Um, and um, I think we can start with any one of those yeah. and go, how how would I follow that in my life? What yeah. might it look like? Yeah. And sometimes when we hear, especially things like sell your possessions and give to the poor or love your enemies, bless them, we go, that's radical, you know, and that's extreme. Um, and and that's hard. Yeah. 
But I tr- I'm trusting that Jesus gave those instructions because he knows how life works and yes. works best. Yes. And I'd be better off if if I was if I was if I sold possessions and gave to the poor. Yes. I'd be I'd enter into a new dynamic economy. Yes. Right. And 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 he said that because of his sense of God's abundance, right, nice. and community. Um, but we only get to realize those things by taking risks to try. Yeah. And um, so what we've tried to do in the groups that I gather is we look at those discrete instructions of Jesus and say, well, let's have a go. What if, yeah. what if we tried that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See what happens. Yeah. And I love, I love uh, two thoughts that came to me as you were talking there. It's like, it's this idea of when Jesus says, sell your possessions, give it to the poor. And then when he also says, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. My yoke is easy. My burden Mm -hmm. is light. Mm -hmm. He's not talking across purposes. Those are one and the same thing. The easy yoke, the light burden, the rest for your soul is in your liberation from possessions. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's the same thing. And so often when we think about rest for our soul, easy yoke, we think in terms of a hammock in the Maldives instead Mm -hmm. of the way of Jesus, you know? Yeah. 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 Fascinating. So number one is that. Then number two, you've got this quote in your book. I wanted to read it just at this point. Um, Sometimes uh, we want to be respectable and sophisticated in a way that keeps us from the playfulness required to experience life in the kingdom of God. Uh, Respectable Mm. and sophisticated in a way that keeps us from the playfulness required to experience life in the kingdom of God. what I like about at least what I've experienced so far is there is a kind of playfulness and experimentation. There's like this culture of let's try uh, yeah. that, that makes this the way of Jesus and trying to enter into it. It doesn't all, it doesn't feel so heavy. It almost feels a bit like an adventure. You know, I think yeah. when I was a kid and going like, let's just go on an adventure. Let's see where we go. You, you, you kind of facilitate that culture in these, in these spaces. Yeah, well, there's that place where um, I think it was Paul that said, "Find out what pleases the Lord." Like, you got you got to you got to try some stuff, and the, the, you we even see this with the disciples that they didn't always know what they were doing, they didn't often know what they were doing, and they just had to get, have a go of it. And we learn through trying and failing. Mm-hmm. And if we are waiting to get it right before we act, we're never gonna uh, we're never gonna act. Um, so good. Yeah, and so good. and I think I think it's good not to take ourselves too seriously. Totally, totally, <laughs> absolutely. I think I'm learning that, and that's and interestingly, uh, actually entering into the way of Jesus has a kind of uh, humbling effect on you that that helps you. Yeah. I think you can take yourself pretty seriously if you're only dealing with like theology aside from practice. You know what I mean? Like you can build yeah. very serious, heavy, perfect theology. But as soon as you try to put your hand to that, pretty quick you run up against your own limitations and weaknesses and failings. And and so grace then needs to do its work, you know. And so that's been interesting for me as I've done some of the stuff that you guys are are leading us through. It's like it, practicing, like entering into the way helps you get over yourself in some ways, in a good way, you know? Yeah. I, I remember... Uh, a particular story. Uh, I there was a group of us on this journey together, and 
we wanted to go to, a, go to a conference and we're like, how would Jesus get to the conference in Santa Fe, New Mexico from California? Would he take a, would he fly? Would he drive? And of course he would have walked, you know, but, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we're like, but we're like, what if we took, what if we, what if we took the bus and in the U S buses are not nice that they're, yeah. they're mostly used by people who don't have credit cards or don't have documentation. And um, it's actually more expensive than flying and it's miserable. And so we're like, well, let, you know, we, we'd read about Mahatma Gandhi and how he would travel third class mm -hmm. as a way of identifying with the poorest people. So we tried it. And instead of a two hour flight, it took us two and a half days. We met so many people. I think we had experiences that gave us more empathy for people in suffering and struggle. And we had this amazing adventure about getting to Santa Fe yeah, yeah, <laughs> that yeah. we wouldn't have had if we'd gone to the airport and gotten on the plane. Um, but I, I'm interested too. like, I know when I, um, when I first moved to San Francisco and I, I was, well, there's, let's just say there's some, there's some cre imagination that's necessary. Like, uh, I remember Dallas Willard used to, when I would be in groups with him, he'd ask us like, just imagine what it would be like for you to live in your life as Jesus lived his life. Right. And where, where would you go? Who would you hang out with? And um, I realized I've developed a certain middle-class white male conventional respectability that might be keeping me from the riches of the kingdom of God. Yeah. If I only go, if I'll only go to the cool, you know, pour over cafe and this place and that place, where would Jesus have been hanging out? Who would he have been hanging out with? Um, at one point, I, I guess I'm doing it now again, but I like stopped cutting my hair and I was like, I, I don't want to look respectful. I, you know, I follow a homeless rabbi. <laughs> <laughs> I need to get out of my middle white middle-class sensibilities here. You know? Yeah, totally, totally. Um, yeah. But there's something that kind of, um, we have certain expectations about life. Could we hold them loosely Fascinating. and wow. have more freedom? Wow, 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 wow. That's a beautiful thought, Mark. Wow. So Great. that led us to like, you know, throw parties underneath the freeway overpass with our unhoused neighbors yeah. and um, develop unlikely friendships and take take some risks to live a bit less conventionally. Mm. So good. This is the way of Jesus, friends, if you're listening. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We want to we want to land this conversation a little bit. Uh, if you have to share something with the audience, is there anything kind of burning on your heart? Uh, you know, almost like a little bit of maybe a prophetic word, something that's that would be right now. You feel like there's an immediacy to it. Imagining this audience, we have people listening from all over the world, different contexts, yeah. different backgrounds. What what kind of stirs up in you now around this topic? I. I think it, 
if you can have a conversation with just one other person where you go, you ask, you ask each other, what's not working about life? Mm. Where, where are we sensing this longing for a new kind of life? And what are the, what are the, what are the outside parts of that? And what's the inside kind of scripts that we are telling ourselves that keep us in this life? And then what, how does Jesus speak into that? What all, what's the alternative that he's inviting us into that might liberate us from what's not, what's not working. Very helpful. Thank you. Mark. And then try, and then try, and then try it together. Yeah. Do you it. know, whatever you come up with. That, yeah. That's, do it. Again, that's the key. And that's what we're going to talk about <laughs> next week, guys, because we're focusing in on learning and practice. So this week we've talked about this way and Mark's been really helpful in giving us some signposts to that. And so make sure that you tune in next week, because we're going to take that one step further in building this greenhouse for how do we, how do we live into the fullness of Christ? Uh, the next step will be talking about learning and practice and what that means. Mm. But um, Mark, where can people get your books, your resources? Is there anything you've kind of done recently that would be most helpful? Yeah. Um, so some of what I've been sharing is in a book I wrote called Practicing the Way of Jesus, yeah. Life Together in the Kingdom Highly of Love. Highly recommended, guys. Very good. Um, the one th- uh, I'm really excited about a curriculum we developed around the Beatitudes that um, I was into the frame, like, what's, what, how do we set the table? What's the frame? And I, I mentioned the Lord's Prayer as one frame for imagining what kingdom life looks like. Another one I work with is the Beatitudes. And since there's nine of them, it gives a lot of room to explore. And so I recently wrote a book called The Ninefold Path of Jesus, Hidden Wisdom of the Beatitudes, that I think gives a really compelling picture for kingdom life. And matches that with with specific practices to try and we've got a curriculum that goes along with that too for families we've got one called uh, lisa and i wrote a book called um, belonging and becoming because a lot of many people wonder how do i follow the jesus way in a in a household context yeah so yeah fantastic and where can people find all this stuff um you can find them at the most of these books are uh, with a publisher called Inner Varsity Press. So you can go to their website. Um, there's a um, uh, anywhere where books are sold. Right. I, if possible, I don't encourage people to support the um, phallic rocket uh, company. You know, uh, <laughs> so if there's another if there's another source where you can get it that that doesn't feed Jeff Bezos's uh... ego, that'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but but last resort, that's the, the, they're all available on Amazon. Wow, <laughs> that's a whole other podcast for another day. <laughs> what a great place to end off, Mark. Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate this conversation. Yeah, great to be with you, Matthew. I'm I'm really encouraged that you're doing this work and that a a new generation is being animated to follow the way. So yeah. keep at it. Thank You're doing you. good work. And and just to extend the gratitude, thank you for for you and people like you who have in some ways blazed a trail. I think part of my story is that when these initial stirrings started happening in me, I did feel like the picture was much more like being in the jungle with a machete trying to make a path. I didn't know mm-hmm. there weren't people in my world or in my space that I, that 
everyone thought I was just a little bit crazy and, and maybe I am and yeah. that's okay too. Um, but it's been so helpful and refreshing to begin to meet people like yourself and others who actually know the spirit of God is witnessing commonly across the nations uh, yeah. into these things. And so thank you. Your story is really, really helpful and gives people like me and, and others just tools to hold on to as we try and bring our little part in, in, in what God's doing in the mm -hmm. earth. So, so thank you for that. Man. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Great. Everybody else, we will see you on the next episode of the follower podcast. Until then, have a good day. That's all for this episode of the follower podcast. If you found it helpful or inspiring, please consider sharing it and leaving a review on your podcast platform to help us connect with more people around the world. If you would like to support the Ministry of Follower with a monthly contribution or one-off donation, you can visit www.wearefollower.com forward slash support. And to say thank you, we'll send you a free copy of Live the Story, an ebook that helps you learn to share your faith with others. Until next time, may you follow Jesus to the depths of his heart as he helps you share his love wherever you go. From the ground beneath your feet to the very end of the earth.